He's our apostolic elder. Um, he, 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 he's basically me in my older age. I, I'm, I think we look alike. It's just me. Um, I remember, I remember the moment that I first laid eyes on Pastor Zane when <laughs> this sounds like a, it's not that it's not a dating story. I'm, <laughs> let me digress. Let me go back. I remember the first moment that I met Pastor Zane. That sounds better. Uh, we were in Texas, and I remember, I remember um, Pastor Lennon Schott said, hey, if there's one thing that you want to take away from this conference, invite this man um, to speak at your church. And I remember looking over at Brittany and said, I'm going, and I'm running. Right as this service is over, I'm running over, and I'm, I'm going to grab that, that, that guy over there because he's anointed. And I, I remember they said amen. I jumped up. I'm like pushing the table out, fighting through people. And I, I reached over my hand. I said, hey, I'm Isaiah. I'm from right outside Philadelphia, and you're coming to my church. And I remember he was like, where are you from? I was like, right outside Philadelphia in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. He turned around to Pastor Jan, his wife, and he said, hey, we're going to Philadelphia. And I just remember the moment where I felt God confirm in me that the Lord was providing every need. Every need. We didn't, we didn't have a clue what we were doing at that moment. All we knew is that God had a divine appointment set up and that what was about ready to be was miraculous. And, and Pastor Zane, you've been a blessing to this house. We love you, and we're grateful for you. So can we stand and show some honor as Pastor Zane comes to bring a word? Hey, dude. Love you, boss. You're awesome. Amen. 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 Before you seat, well, you're already seated. Before you almost seated or already seated, look at the person next to you and say, oh, no, he's back. Yeah, yeah. He's back. What, you, what were you thinking, Pastor Isaiah, to bring that crazy, radical, ridiculous guy back? I will say this. There is a prophetic edge to my life and a, and a prophetic. I'm not a prophet, but there's a prophetic uh, flow. And um, sometimes it's pathetic. Hopefully, most of the times it's prophetic. But... At home, Jan says it's pathetic, so, but in here it's prophetic. I will, I will say this, and, and Ryan, this sounds really good to me. Sounds really good. No, we're, we're great. And thanks for working that out. I just, I just didn't want to go that direction because I'd never done it before. I didn't want it to be a distraction. So you don't, don't worry about that. That's between me and him, so don't worry about it, okay? And then the 20 bucks you owe me after the service, you can give it to me. That's, that's a pathetic, pathetic word. But I will say the discernment that I have, and, and I, I recognize the discernment your pastor has just now, because uh, when he says we look alike, uh, he's, he's good looking. Anybody discern anything in that? Tell the person next to you, that was pathetic, okay? And... Uh, and I hope and pray you don't look like me at this age. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, stay like that. You're much better than now than what I look like. But uh, it is so good. It is such a delight. Uh, I do remember that first encounter. Uh, it was somewhat overwhelming to me. I kind of, when I did say to Jan, we're going to Philadelphia, that was more out of fear. <laughs> it was more out of, I, if I don't say it, Though I won't do it, at least I'll say it to get this guy out of here, you know. 
His wife I felt real comfortable with. I felt a real sweet spirit with her, but he was making me a little nervous. Uh, I got on the website right away to find and vet him. Who is this guy? So that I'm going to Philadelphia. That was not a word from the Lord. We're going to Philadelphia. Hopefully he'll go away. Seriously, I'm joking. When we drove away, I said to Jan, I may have said this the last time we were here, I said, I don't know what it is, but I feel a divine connection with that couple. I mean, we're talking never see each other. He, you'd never heard me minister yet. Landon just said, get this guy. And, and I just said, babe, I don't know. I don't know them. I, you weren't even, you were just, your dad was lead pastor at the time. So, you know, I thought, what's he think he doing, man? Taking over for his dad? First fruit. But anyways, but anyways, I just said on the car back to the hotel, babe, I don't know what it is. Did you feel it? I did, babe. I, I think we're, I do think we're supposed to be connected somehow with them. And so long story short, we connected, talked and showed up for the first time and messed them up and told them things they didn't want to hear. How many, how many know exactly what I'm talking about? And I told them things I didn't know I was telling them that they didn't want to hear. You know, that's what the beauty of the prophetic is. I like when God begins to give me a word, well, what, what's that mean? Don't worry about what it means. Just shut up and say it. And, uh, and so we said some things that we had no clue, but lots of people affirmed them. So it's good to be back. You are a wonderful place. My wife and I love the power place. Uh, Jan sends her love and her greetings. She so wanted to be here. We, we had a pretty challenging September. Many of you probably know, I know the staff knows, uh, she uh, uh, got some kind of bacterial infection in her colon. Um, and long story short, it's been about 12 days in the hospital. And uh, it was a little nervous at times. The doctor, and I appreciate the medical profession, and I appreciate their desire to bring help and healing. But they got to be honest. And he just looked at us at one point and said, you've got a kind of bacterial infection that could kill your colon and even kill you. And, you know, it's like, I don't want to hear that. But, and I, I get, you know, I don't want to not know because I want to know how to pray. And it was a moment. So uh, it, was, it was a rough season. And, and Jan's doing so much better. Um, thank you for praying. She went back uh, after she'd been out of the hospital and all of that stuff. And we do believe, and I'm not a focus on the devil for everything. There's no doubt in our mind, you know, not, I, you know, not, not every flat tire is a demon. <laughs> you know, not every cough is a devil. But we recognized it really was. We really knew it was a demonic assignment. And though we knew there needed to be some, something done with the infection, we knew we needed to attack it with the spirit. How many know what I'm talking about? And I'm always, I'm always cautious because some people, that's the first thing they go to. And it's maybe because you had, you know, uh, four pizzas and three liters of Pepsi. And that's why you're sick. It's not a devil. You just need to knock off the pizza and the Pepsi. So somebody say amen to that. Uh, I'd like to blame that on the devil, but, but we knew, and we began to attack it that way. And good friends of ours, a lot of people, when you were a part of that, and she went back to the doctor and he said, we did another test. Uh, and I, it's just, I'm shocked. You probably, we most of the time find that you are with this condition for well over a year. It is completely gone out of your body. Amen. So grateful, grateful for that and thankful. And, and uh, 
So she wasn't able to be here, but I brought two of our favorite, most incredible friends who have been with us for 20 lot of years uh, at the church at Victory. And then they, they partnered with us as we transitioned out. Met, many of you met them Friday night. Mark and Sonia Forkanjic, stand up. Just greet them. They are, they are sweethearts. I, I told Jan, I wish she would have been here. She wanted to be here, but I'm grateful they were here because they just lifted a lot of load in, in a lot of ways, but especially ministry. And if you saw them Friday night, you know, they're just, they're sweethearts. They're sweethearts. I'm going to get into my message, but I want to, I want to ramble a few minutes. Is that okay? Yeah. He said, I got till about four, four fifteen. Are the, are the Eagles, are the Eagles playing at home? No. Yeah. One o'clock. Yeah. Okay. I'll go to six o'clock. Ushers, come take that lady right there with that eagle shirt off out of this house, okay? Out of this house. And there's a bad spirit over here. It's called Pittsburgh. I see it, yeah. And you know really what's bad about this guy over here? No, no, I don't want to embarrass you, but your wife was right here, huh? Yeah, I know. And she took that that beautiful gift called a boy or girl. Yeah, took that beautiful gift probably out to the nursery, but had that terrible thing on. Just a second. I just feel a deliverance coming on me. I just feel it. Come out of him right now. Set your son free. Somebody get me a trash can. It's a big one. It's a big one. It's a big one. Are you, you're not new here, are you? He'll never be back. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. But, uh, but uh, anyways, I apologize for that. Another prophetic moment. Hopefully I'll get prophetic. I will. I will. I want all the students to stand. All the students. Students. College age, elementary, high school. All the students. Just stay standing. Just stay standing. We didn't know about the fire thing that happened Wednesday. Obviously, Sonia didn't know that, and, and when she got that word, you know, that probably really brought affirmation, but the word I heard wasn't tongues of fire above you. The word I heard was igniter, igniter, and I just want to affirm, where, where, where's uh, Luke? Stand up, Luke. Where's, where's that? Is it Ashton? Get over here. You know, if you were really in the flow, you would have been over there and standing. Maybe we need to talk about them for just a moment, okay? I love this couple. Do you love them? They're incredible. They're ridiculous. And, 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 and if you were here Friday night, they got just zap, zap, and more zap, and then Saturday got zapped again. You are critical in this house. You are significant to this house because there is an army in this house an army of igniters, because you don't get fire to play with. You get fire to start fires. You got fires to start. You're an igniter. You're, you're going to start, you're going to ignite fires on your campuses and fires in communities and fires in your home and fires with friends. He amen. 
He doesn't fill you with fire to go, wow, this feels kind of neat. No, you go ignite. And this house is filled with fire starters and igniters. And I just want to tell you, Pastor, how refreshing it was for me, in, and I know I speak for, for Mark and Sonia, to walk in this house on a Friday and see all these young people just pressing in and seeking God with all their heart. And I just want to affirm you as leaders, that doesn't happen just because it happens. It happens because of leadership, because everything's about leadership. So I just wanted to affirm you, and I want to say, I want to say, church, I'm going to say something. I want you to say it with me after I tell you what to say, and this is what I want you to say with passion. I want you to, I want you to shout, go start some fires. Ready? Go start some fires. Okay, let's give them a hand. Come on. Go start some fire. And then I'll get to my message, because I do have a message that I'm supposed to deliver. But I had a dream last night. And I had a dream, and it was a really unusual dream. And I woke up and dreamed it again, woke up. And I'm not a dreamer, even though it says old men will dream dreams. <laughs> You'll be old someday, sooner than later. Amen. So, so and, and I've more and more have been having dreams. And I woke up again, and it wasn't one of those bathroom moments. I just woke up and laid there. Wow, that was kind of an unusual dream. And in my dream, and I believe it's prophetic, Pastor, and I believe it's a word a word for this house, and in particular, a word for you as it relates to leadership and what you need to do with this word. But the word was, and I forgot about the dam is broke until uh, you re- said it there. So I wasn't thinking the dam was broke when I went to bed last night. I I was thinking, did the Diamondbacks win when I went to bed last night? And thank you, Jesus. I love you. And I thank you for that nine-to-one win from, from the Texas Rangers. Anyways, sorry. Sorry, Phillies. I'm from Arizona. Eat your heart out. There I go, pathetic again, okay? But in the dream, I saw all, all these streams going everywhere, just so you got igniters, but that's all these streams. It was like it was coming out of one place, just bubbling up in a stream. Just not not just one, but just here's. And they were very refined streams, very refined, orderly going through, and they were going out everywhere. And I didn't think because I wanted to go back to sleep. <laughs> you know, I didn't go. Okay, God, what was that about? God, tell me later. I want to sleep now. And I dreamed it again. And I dreamed it again. And when I got up this morning and went on my prayer walk outside, it was still dark, and I'm out there just praying in the Spirit. And I finally said, can you give me insight to what that was? That, yeah, I'll tell you what that was, power plays. And it would be easy for you to think, well, you're a power place. That's why you're thinking about power place. And that's cool if you want to think that, and maybe that's it. But I don't think it was. I think the Lord was telling me from out of this, out of this house, this hub, this, this, this focal point is going to come artesian streams that are going to go all through this community. I hear it this, Pastor. Not only community, but region. Not only region, but nation. Not only nation but international. And that that God is saying to this house, I'll get to my message, but God is saying to this house, you are a wellspring that's going to spring out. All kinds of ministries are going to flow out of this house. You're going to be a church that raises up ministries and releases ministries. 
Raise up release. Raise up release. Help me now. Raise up release. Come on. Raise up release. Raise up release. A lot of them are going to be these young men and women that just stood. And you're going to disciple them and love them and train them. And, and sooner or later, you'll have your spiritual leadership school. And sooner or later, it'll be, it'll be preparing. It won't be just young people. There's some, forgive me, I don't mean to sound ugly, but some old people that you think you're done and you think you're just supposed to sit in the pew, pay your tithes and love Jesus, but you're not done yet. You're not done yet. In fact, I got a word for somebody, some buddies, and I, I could just pause and get discernment who it is, but I'm just supposed to say it, that the gifting and the call that you thought God forgot about, or you thought you disqualified yourself, or you thought, I guess that'll never happen in my life because I got stupid. The Lord said, I haven't changed my mind about you, and my gift and my calling is irrevocable, and I still have plans for you. So bust the move, son and daughter. Let's get with it because God still has a plan. Somebody Somebody say amen up in this house. So all kinds of streams. And here's the deal that I love about the prophetic. I just get to deliver it. I just get to. Okay, let's go home. And you lean into it. And your leaner, leaders lean into it. And you embrace it. And you say, Pastor, tell us what that means. Tell us what we need to do. Tell us how we need to. Tell us what ministries. And you begin to share. Hey, I feel like I have this calling. We had all kinds of ministries that started out of victory. Simply because we gave freedom to the body to say, I feel God's calling me to this. Then let's do that. Let's support that. I love his word. It's a Bible word. Let's steward that word. You got rid of that baby, didn't you? Yeah. He's cute. He's cute. He'll be a lot more cuter if you take that stinking thing off of him. Oh, here we go. I got to cast it out of her, too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Streams everywhere. Streams everywhere. He'll speak to you. Streams of healing. Streams of deliverance entrepreneurial streams, business streams, homeless shelter streams, foster care streams, adoption streams. I'm just saying what I'm hearing. Mm, adoption streams is a big one. Mm, mm, I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. Mm. Trafficker streams where people that have been trafficked are going to be restored. They're in your house. They're, oh, we're just a little church. That's the problem. You got to stop thinking little. You got to look at a big God. Despise not small beginnings. You got to live like you're a big church. You got to preach like you're a big church. You got to believe like you're a big church. Like we can do anything. Say it with me. You got to believe it. If God said it, we can do it. If we'll align with it. If we'll, if we'll partner with the prophecy, it can happen. It can happen if we can say, Lord, what's my part? Tell the person next to you, you have a part. That's what we miss in the kingdom. That's the whole point of my message this morning. Getting ahead of myself. We got to get it down, folks. We have a part in this gig. There are things we are called to do. He's not going to do it all. Somebody say, man, we're not going to sit back. and I ain't waiting for heaven. I ain't waiting for heaven. Anybody want to go say, man. 
but I don't want to go till I'm done here. I said it again and again. I'll say it again. My goal is not going to heaven. That is not my goal. Hopefully it's your not, it's not, yeah, yeah, that's what I, that's not what I want. I want to fulfill my destiny. That's my goal. That's my passion. And I'm a lot older than I was a lot of years ago, but I'm still passionate. Don't take me till I'm done. Don't take me till I'm empty. Don't take me till I got nothing left. And you got to take me because I got nothing left to give. Listen, listen, heavenly minded people. That is not, that is your destination, not your destiny. My destiny isn't getting to a place. My destiny is fulfilling my calling and my purpose for the reason I was born. I wasn't born just to go somewhere. Our God would have just kept me there. He sent me here because there's something he wants done in this earth. Praise God. Tell the person next to you, we've crossed over. Have you? Have you crossed over into the new era? Why do I say that? Because the last time we were here, that was the prophetic word. It's your crossing over time. Yeah, and where you've been has been wonderful. Where you've been has been great. Has nothing negative about where you've been. In fact, where you've been is what's helped you to get where you're going. If, 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 if what happened where you've been hadn't happened, you wouldn't be qualified and ready to be where you're going. But God doesn't keep you where you are. He prepares you where you are to get you where you're going. Somebody said, we're on the move. Say it. We're on the move. You've crossed into a new era. And an era is not a season. It is a season of seasons. And the challenge of leadership is to discern, discern the seasons that you're in. And there is a season of seasons that you discern. The sons of Issachar knew the times and the seasons. The challenge of leadership and the challenge of any church is not just to discern the season they're in. Because that passage in Chronicles says the sons of Issachar knew the times and the season. And we usually stop there. Yeah, yeah. That's not enough. It's not enough to know your season. you got to know what to do in the season you're in. And that's what it says in the scripture. The sons of Issachar knew the times and the season. And they knew what God wanted them to do. So you got to get beyond just, Lord, where are we at? And you got to say, Lord, what do you want to do where we're at? And leadership, that's your job to give a, a, a sense to the house. This is the season we're in, and this is what we're supposed to do in this season. That's your job. Your job is to align with it. Your job is to say yes and amen. Let's go. Let's do it. And I believe you're moving into a season of seasons. And I heard the Lord say, this season of seasons will involve two words in particular. Lots of other things, because you're going to have lots of other streams. But two words, advance and possess. You have moved into a new era, an era of advancement. Say advancement. Advance. Tell the person next to you, we're on the move. We're moving into a season of possessing. Possessing, advancing and possessing, advancing and possessing. I shared this with the leadership. You advance, you possess, you establish, and you advance, you possess, and you establish. How many saw the picture? Amen? See it? So you go, 
You possess it. You develop it. You establish it. And where's next? And you don't lose what you've got. You just go to the next place. Boom. Oh, Holy Spirit, give them eyes to see. That is so profoundly important. Because what often happens is we move into a season of revival and we get all excited, but we don't establish anything. And when we go to the next season, it gets lost there. I don't want to lose the glory of this moment. I want to build on this glory and get the next glory because from glory to glory, somebody say amen. I think I'll say amen all by myself. That's where you are. You're advancing and you're possessing. Streams will begin to flow out of this house. You're going to have all kinds of ministry out of this house. You're going to be you're an you're ascending church. I know you're looking around, man. Look at us. But you see, you got to see what you're going to be. You see, I say it this way. I said it to the leaders this this weekend. I said you got to see it before you can seize it. Anybody can believe after you got it in your hand. But God wants a group of people that'll say, I see it, but I don't have it. But you gotta see it. You got Abraham believed those things that were were as though they are that weren't as though they already were. You gotta walk around this city and say it's ours. You gotta walk around this city. We're gonna have this, and we're gonna have this, and we're gonna have this. And they're gonna laugh at you saying, You got nothing. You barely got hardly any people. But God never used a majority, He has always used a remnant. He's always used a remnant. Gideon, yes, sir, you got too many. What? I got 10,000. You got too many. Do you see how many they got over there in the enemy's camp? I know, you got too many. Because most of the ones you got with you, they're not with you. They're just joining the crowd. They're just joining the momentum. Whittle it down. Whittle it down. So don't worry about the size you are. Get off size. I mean, great. We, you can grow more. You're going to grow more. But don't ever be enamored with numbers. Be enamored with him. Little as much when God is in it. It's coming, Pastor. Streams. Streams all over the place. Streams all over the place. Streams all over the place. My wife and I have been traveling since we transitioned. I don't know. I'm, I'm old. I'm losing time. I don't know if it was four years ago or five years ago. But it was years ago, a number of years ago, that we transitioned from our lead pastor position of 23 years in a church in Tucson, Arizona, and we passed the baton because we knew the season, it was time. God woke me up one time about, about three years before the transition. And he said this to me, Pastor. He said, get ready for tomorrow, for tomorrow is coming. Out of a dead sleep, I heard this word audible. Get ready for tomorrow, for tomorrow is coming. I'm looking over at Jan, and she's lost in her world sleeping. It was about 3.30 in the morning. And I, at first, it brought me a little concerned because I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, are you saying I'm done here? No, you're not done here. But get ready to get done. Watch this. Get ready to be done. And that was three years before any transition happened. And it's a long story. It's a good story. It's a very, very, very a good story for church leadership to hear. Because, because someday you're going to hear that word. You're going to hear the Lord say, not tomorrow, but he's going to say, get ready for tomorrow. Because most churches, most church leadership don't prepare for tomorrow. 
And they hang on and hang on and hang on and hang on when their season was done. Not God was done with them. Their season in leadership in their house was done. And they've never let the new leadership come in for the next season. Are you following me? God loves them. And God's saying, no, no, I'm not done with you. But I need you to release this house because I brought new leadership to take them to the next level. What you've done is wonderful. You've honored me. You've obeyed me. You've done what I wanted. Now I want to take them to another level. Hey, Moses, you did great. But I need Joshua now. Come up the mountain. I need to get rid of you. Are you following me? And if you think that was a bad thing, at the Mount of Transfiguration, who were the two guys up on the mountain with Jesus? Elijah and Moses. So don't think God just said, you're done. I don't like you anymore, Moses. Moses, you did what you were supposed to do. The former pastor, who happened to be the father of this young man, did what he was supposed to do. And God said, you're done, son. I love you. I'm not done with you, but I'm done with you here. And you had to be willing to let him go to embrace the new thing that God wanted to do in the house. And I'm going to tell you something. He's going to do some things different. Some things don't change, but a lot of things need to change. Because where you're going, what you did isn't going to work with where you're going. This is good stuff. I don't have any of this in my notes. It's just going. Where you're going isn't going to work with where you've been. Some stuff you take with you. Some stuff you don't let go of. Are you following me? I'm helping somebody, aren't I? Why? Because I know you're only nine months into this transition. I know you're just beginning. But I got a word for you. You need to understand something. God's in a hurry. What do you mean? God's nest he is. He's winding this thing down, folks. Have you seen the culture? Have you seen what's going on? Do you see what's happening in the Middle East? What did Jesus say when you see the signs of the time? No, I'm accelerating things. So I have to, so I just tell you right up front, pastor, he don't have time to mess around. You don't have, you don't have the 20 years I had to get ready. You don't have it. So you can't mess around. You, you can't just lollygag around and relax. I could, but I wasn't at this stage. And God's not going to let you take as long as it took me because I was a problem for God. I tell you, are you following me? Are you hearing me? And that goes for you, not just them and the leadership of this house. Amos says in chapter nine that he will do, he will do such a work, such an accelerated work. And so everything's accelerating. Watch in the, in the realm of darkness, it's accelerating. My God, what this culture is dealing with, what these young people are dealing with, was nothing that I had to address as a youth pastor, Luke. Nothing. Everything's accelerating. Sin is accelerating. The enemy doesn't know the, the exact time, but he's not, he's not stupid, people. He's, he's deserting enough to know, you're wrapping this thing up. So guys, we got to bust a move here, and we got to destroy as many people as we can, and marriages as we can, and churches as we can, and especially that power place, because I think they're getting it. So we got to bring division and distraction. we got to cause all kinds of problems, because if they go any further in this thing, they're going to be a force to reckon with, and you are going to be a force to reckon with. Well, my wife and I have been traveling a lot. 
traveling to lots of churches. And I'm going to say something, and hope you're not offended, but I'm not, going, I'm not saying what I'm about to say to get you to like me. Wouldn't, wouldn't hurt me if you said you liked me. I, I mean, everybody likes to be liked, but I don't need you to like me. I said it jokingly to the, to the staff during the weekend, had a delightful time with your staff. Friday, Friday morning was just wonderful, and then all day Saturday, I thanked them for taking the time. Then Friday night at the revival night was just, you know, it just it was ridiculous. That's my word. That's a good word. Ridiculous is good. But what I'm about to say is not said so you could get to like me. I'm old. I don't need you to like me. All old people say amen. amen. I've been around when I was a kid, when I was younger. I wanted everybody to like me. When I was a young pastor, I want you to like me, like me, like me. You don't need to like me. You don't even need to like what I'm saying right now. I don't care. I hope that doesn't sound ugly. So I'm not saying what I'm about to say to get you to like me because I probably don't like some of you that much either. Right over there, I'm feeling that. Right <laughs> but we've been doing a lot of traveling. We've been to a lot of churches, invited to come minister to leadership and minister to the congregation. I'm going to tell you right up front, you have something special here. I'm not just being sweet and nice. I'm telling you, I'm not going to risk my prophetic gifting to make you happy. I'm telling you. Is it perfect? No. Tell the person next to you, it's not perfect because you're here. <laughs> Seriously. Someone came up to me at our church in Tucson and said, Pastor, I'm looking for the perfect church. I just smiled at him. I said, well, wonderful. Do me a favor. When you find it, don't join it. Why? Because you'll ruin it. <laughs> There's no perfect anything. They're not perfect. But they're called and chosen. You're not either, but you're called and chosen. So if you're looking for a perfect house, it ain't here. But if you're looking for a house where the presence is, it's here. It's here. It's here. It's here. If you're looking for a church where there's a host of fire starters, they're right here. If you're looking for a house that doesn't make room for the doesn't make room for the Holy Spirit, but gives him the room, it's here. I can deal with a few little quirks and warts and difficulties. I can handle this. I don't like that, and I don't like that. And why do they worship so long? I can handle all that as long as he's here. We've been doing a lot of traveling. There is something special in this place. His hand is on this house. I felt it when I walked in. When I walked in Friday morning to minister to the staff, there is in the heavenlies, I heard it. I don't want to get weird. I heard like a buzzing sound, like a, like a moving sound. And I said, Lord, what is that? He said, look up. And I saw that this ceiling was not there in, in, in the spirit. And the Lord said, there's an open heaven and angels are buzzing around just watching what's going on here. There's a buzz of the kingdom happening in this place. I challenge you to guard that to cherish that, to nourish that, to learn how to align with that even better and better and better. Can I say it, English teachers? More better, more better, more better. 
Learn how to entertain that. Learn how to flow with that. Learn how to take that from one level to the next level because God has chosen this house. He loves all the houses of worship, but there are some places he visits. Trust me, trust me. There are some places he visits and there are some places he inhabits. There's some places he comes in and yeah, does his thing. But there's some places he says, I live here because I know who's in the house. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Doesn't make you perfect. Doesn't make you. Listen, don't think you're more significant. You've just positioned yourself. You've just made yourself available. You're not something more special than anybody else. God loves everybody the same. Every church in this community, he loves with a passion. But he's longing for a place that would open their hearts and welcome him. And give him, give him the room. And let him do what he wants to do. Follow his leadership. Follow his direction. That's what he's looking for. Listen, this city needs churches where they can encounter God. You are a bit extreme. This church. Now your pastor's real mellow. It's just a sweet tender. Now Brittany's another story. Ah! Okay, I'm being I'm being silly. You know I am. But this whole house is a bit extreme. You are. Thank you, Lord. You are. You're, you're just kind of out there. Well, not kind of. You're out there. You've crossed over. But listen to me. I'm not saying crazy. I'm saying extreme. Please, I, I'm not probably supposed to use this word, but it'll fit. I'm not talking about stupid, uncontrolled, out of order. It's not what I'm talking about when I say extreme. I'm talking about all in. All in. All in. And when I felt that from the Lord, the Lord said, you know they're extreme? I said, yeah, Lord, I'm in here. They're extreme. And I need to tell you something. That's okay. Because listen to me. We are living in extreme times. If you don't think the devil is extreme, he's pulling out all the punches, man. He's going all in. He ain't messing Yeah, he ain't messing around. He knows his time is short. He knows he's got to bust a move. And he's glad that a whole lot of churches are just lost in making sure everybody's happy and making sure that we are, we are seeker sensitive. We want to be seeker. We don't want to have a long service because seekers don't like long services. I'll tell you, if the presence is in here, seekers will stay. No, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I know, I know, I'm talking experience here. I know, uh, hey, I'll help you if you listen to me. Don't worry about being extreme. Don't worry about having worship go on and on. Don't worry about that stuff. Well, people don't like that. It's kind of loud in here sometimes. Don't worry about it. If he's here, they'll stay. And they'll even go, that place is crazy. And they'll come back. Trust me, you're here. How many remember the first time you came in here? Huh? Huh? Yeah. And you walk, you're in the car going home. Babe, I don't know, man. That place is weird. That guy on the platform was all over the place. I don't know, babe. I'm just not used to that. Let's find something a little bit quieter. And then next Saturday night come along, she says, I think I want to go back one more time. I'm not being silly. I'm talking experience. 
I asked him. I saw him. We were extreme. We were all in. We were abandoned. They'd come in in the back row and I'd see them all tatted up or all dressed up. Tatted up and dressed up. Tie and vest. And I knew, okay, there's a religious one. I'm not saying that's wrong, but you know what I'm talking about. That's that old traditional way. And some of them, and they're on the back just looking around. And, and again, I'm not talking out of order, but we just, we're, we're loving Jesus. And, and, and we didn't have entertainers on the platform. We had worshipers on the platform. There, there is a difference. There is a difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I like it that this isn't a show up here. We're not performing. Come on. And I watched them while I'm preaching. They're looking like, my God, this guy's all over the place. But they kept coming back. And they went from the back row, and they all of a sudden were on the third or the last row. And then, and the next thing you know, I'm seeing them walk an aisle. Tears in their eyes. I'd see them tears in their eyes, and I knew they were as, they were as unregenerate as man in the moon. But his presence kept them coming back. And then they get saved. And then I dunk them in a baptismal tank. And because I wanted to make sure it really worked, I'd keep them down five, 10 minutes. Because <laughs> I wanted to make sure this thing worked, man. We're going to get rid of all that old flesh. And they're, ah, I said, it's okay. It's okay. If you're really saved, you'll be alive when you come back up. If you're just faking it, sorry, you blew it, bud. You're bad. <laughs> Oh, gosh. You're so sorry you came this morning. Because I think that's what you need. You need a 10-minute baptism right now. <laughs> now for sure he ain't coming back. His wife, his wife's already left. She's got the kids. She's waiting in the car. Are you hearing me? And I ask him. I ask him. Why, 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 why'd, you, why'd you keep coming? You know, you know what really bothered me? Pastor, it kind of bothered me a little bit at first. They said, I said, why did you keep coming? We couldn't stay away. There's, there's a magnet in here. I don't know what it is. I don't understand this. People next to me, Kadalabakasana. Oh, man. What language is that? I don't mean out of order. I don't mean, come on, come on. If it gets out of order, fix it. Steward it. You steward the presence. You superintend the presence. That's your job. Somebody get out of order. It doesn't mean you embarrass him, but you, you come on. You know what I mean? Because you got to feel safe that some crazy stuff comes on. You got leadership that will lovingly, but, 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 but sternly deal with it. Amen. So decently and in order. So I don't mean craziness, but we flow together. And I asked him one time, I said, they walked, they all got saved. We baptized them. And I remember Asking them, so why'd you keep coming? It's a crazy story. And they finally said, Pastor, to be honest with you, it really wasn't your preaching. You're kidding. No, truthfully. Huh. I was liking you for a minute, but now I really would appreciate if you just leave my church. Obviously, I didn't. I said, what do you mean? I said, I mean, Pastor, we, we didn't even kind of could even understand some of the things you were saying because we just, we were reprobates. And what was it? It was that worship that we didn't really even understand. And it was something that was in the house. 
Don't apologize for being extreme and don't buy into the mindset that you got to have a 30-minute sermon to make sure the, 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 the seekers will come because that's all they want. Let me tell you, they'll come and they'll go, there's nothing there. And they may keep coming because they've got locked into a religious mindset. But I'll tell you, if you'll just have his presence, and you'll have his presence. So don't apologize for being extreme. These are extreme times. And we've got to, God's looking for an extreme people. Again, I'm not talking out of a control. I'm talking about all in. I'm talking about I'll do whatever he wants. Are you following what I'm talking about? And so, and so this, is, this is this kind of house. And the, Lord, the Lord's hands on this house. hands on this house. I, I want to I read a passage. Let me just, I just heard something. Pastor, this won't be new to you, but you need to hear this, and the congregation needs to hear this. You're just getting started. Tell your pastor, you're just getting started. Now say, we're just getting started. You have only seen first fruits, beginning fruits. Even now, Isaiah 43, somewhere in there. Let go of what's yesterday. Close that door. Take what's good, honor what's good, honor past leadership. But behold, I do a no thing. Will you not even be aware of it? You have just gotten started. How many say amen? I, I want to read. I want to move fast. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adjust some things here because I didn't mean to do all what I did. But I know it was, I know it was the Lord's doing. I want to read a passage from out of the, out of the, the gospel of Matthew. Matthew. Matthew's gospel, the first of the four gospel narratives, chapter 16. I want to read this because I want to, I want to share. I, I've got to give you what I'm supposed to give you because I think, I think what I'm sharing at this point will be pivotal to everything. Say everything. I'm going to say it boldly. Everything that's about to happen in this house and everything that God has planned for this house is dependent upon and commensurate to you understanding what I'm going to share very quickly, very briefly. It's, 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 it's probably a dozen sermons at least. So make it. But it's it, 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 that if you don't get this, you'll miss what God wants to do. Again, not about heaven or hell. It's about you can't have that if you don't understand this. I know that sounds bold, but I'm, I'm talking I know. And, and so I've got to deliver this, and I apologize for all the other stuff, but I think that was kind of good stuff too. Matthew 16 is one of the most pivotal moments in the life of Jesus. I want to submit to you, it's one of his most exciting moments. It's one of the moments where I believe the human part of Jesus was so happy. You know, he was the God-man. He was the theanthropic person. That's that theology concept, that he was God in the, fully and he was man fully. Don't fully understand the incarnation, but I believe it. So the, 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 the man part of Jesus got happy with what happens in Matthew 16. I can almost see him. Yes, Father. Yes, he got it. Because he knew that what happened in Matthew 16 and what he said to them and what he unfolded to them was, was paramount to them becoming everything and doing everything God had destined them to do. And in prophecy, us as well. 
So Matthew, Matthew 16 is one of the most pivotal moments. Verse 13 says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? I can kind of paraphrase it. He said, what are they saying about me out there? What's going on? By the way, let me pause for a moment. He's not asking the question because he's insecure. He's not asking the question because, hey, man, what's going on out there? No, no. He is after something. He doesn't care what they're saying. He wants to know what. He doesn't care what they're saying out there. He wants to know what they're saying in here. He's concerned about the 12, not the multitude. Are you following me? This is a setup. Say setup. <laughs> I heard the Lord say, say right now, the Lord told me to tell you. Some of you are in a divine setup. You're wondering, God, what's this happening for? It's a setup to get you to another place. To get you, watch this. It's a setup to bring you to a revelation because the revelation is life changing. So he says, he says, who do they say I am out there? And they said, some say, some say you're John the Baptist, and others say you're you're Elijah, come back, come back to life, and others say you're Jeremiah, and 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 a lot of them are saying you're just you're just you're just one of the prophets, or you're a prophet. Here's what he's really after. And Jesus asked, But who do you say I am? That's the question of life. Who do you say he is? Great man, great teacher, theologian, religious man. So that's, that, do you understand that's what he's after? He's not worried about the multitude. He wants to make sure his guys get it. And so he says, but who do you say that I am? And I love this, Simon Peter. Oh, everybody kind of gets on the guy, but at least every now and then he nails it. Every now, I mean, he's had his foot in his mouth a few times and he's done some dumb things. But, 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 but Peter says, he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, see, we read that past tense. You've got to understand the significance of what Peter's just saying. He's saying it. He's saying it. You're him. You're him. We know he's him because we read it. But this is the first time Peter is taking the step. He is jumping over the cliff. He goes, who do you guys say I am? He's looking around. Nobody's, I'm just going to say, you're who we've been waiting for. You're our Messiah. You are the son of the living God. You're the one Isaiah prophesied. You're the one Zechariah prophesied. I'm telling you, I'm all in. I'm believing you. If you're not, I'm a fool. If you're not, I'm an idiot. If you're not, I'm going down. But I'm going down with this belief. I believe you're him. Powerful. We don't understand the depths of that. But I love Jesus' response. And Jesus, Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, Simon Bar-Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon, son of John. Simon, you got it. Blessed are you. You understand that's what it's all about. He says, Simon, flesh and blood didn't, didn't reveal out to you. You didn't figure that out because you're almighty smart. Because you're not that smart. You figured that out because my father gave you the revelation. Oh, God, give us revelation. Revelation is everything. Revelation is powerful. Revelation is life-changing. When you see it, you're never the same. And Peter saw it and he said, Blessed, I believe that's where the high five got. Blessed are you, Simon. You got it. 
Just just turn to somebody and slap five and say, I got it. I'm not just being silly. You got to understand the depth of this moment. And then see, there are three significant revelations that are happening in this text, in this scene, in this moment. Three, three revelations we must have and we must understand if we're going to be the kind of church God has destined power place to become or we'll just be another church that loves Jesus and go to heaven. But my goal isn't just to love Jesus and go to heaven. My goal is to influence and ignite and change a culture. And I think we still can. Because I haven't given up on America. And I haven't given up on this planet. Because I think there's enough of us. Come on, I need some help up in here. It's good, it's good. Blessed are you, Simon, son of John. For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18. And I will build my church. Second revelation. First revelation is you're him. You got it, Simon. I am him. I am Messiah. I'm the one who was sent from the foundations of the earth to redeem, to reconcile, to destroy the work of the adversary. I'm him. But here's the next thing. He doesn't stop there. He says, behold, he said, I will build my what? What? Church. Church. Not a box, not a building. Revelation number two, I will build my ecclesia. Now, I was always taught it means the called out ones who gather together. But that's not what it means. Yes, we're called out. Yes, we gather together. But God didn't, God, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to build a club. I'm going to build a clique. I'm going to build a building and fill it with people. I'm going to build a church. I'm going to take people and they are going to be my ecclesia. And the word ecclesia in the original Greek text is a governmental turn. It's a governing turn. I'm going to anoint them. I'm going to empower them. And they're going to begin to infill the culture and set laws and set precepts and change things. That's our call. Our call is whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I love that we gather together. We need to gather together, but there's more work out there than in here. We gather here to be inspired, to be imparted, to be loved, to worship, to learn, to grow, and then we need to get out of the seat and into the street and be the governing power of the kingdom of God. Isaiah said the government will rest upon his shoulders. He ain't talking about America. He ain't talking about Republican or Democrat. He's talking about my government, the church. Oh, give us ears to hear this morning. And then the second revelation, I'm building a people who will be my governing power in a culture Third revelation. Here it is. And this is the one real quick. I got to move. Can I move quick? Can, can you stay with me? Tell the person next to you, you better bust a move. He's going to move fast. Third revelation. What's the first revelation? I am the Christ. What's the second revelation? I'm building a, a body of believers. Not a building, but a body. Third revelation. And I will give you I love you people. I'll give you the keys. The key? Oh, I love you. Not a key. A keys. Plural. Tell the person next to you that means more than one. 
Not a key, but the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And I want to focus on, on those, that word keys. Because Jesus said, believe me, I'm the Christ. I'll begin to build you as a governing force, a power force in the culture. And I will give you keys that will enable you to do what you need to do in the culture. You see, when he talks, say keys. When he's talking about keys, it's something very important. Keys open. Keys give access. Keys represent authority. Keys represent uh, privilege. Keys represent position. <laughs> my name is Saint. Starts with a Z. And my staff used to say there was there was they all had different keys, but I had the Z key. What the Z key was? I could open any door that I wanted. I could open their door. Pastor, can I borrow your key? My son used to always try to, hey, dad, can I borrow your key? No, no, that's the Z key. I have that key because of position. And Are you following me? So, so God, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you keys that give you access. You'll be able, oh, Jesus, I got to hurry. That will give you access to go places that you don't think you can go, but you've got the key. I'm going to give you keys that will give you an authority that other people think, who do you think you are? I got the key. Are you following me? I'm, you're following me. And you know what the problem of the church is? He's already given us the keys. Say, I got them. You don't have to get them. You got them. That's the problem. You got them, but you don't use them. Got all these keys hanging on you. What's that? Keys. I don't know. Jesus said he's going to give me keys. What are they for? I don't know, but but they look nice. (laughs) Carrying these keys around. And that's exactly what the devil has done. Exactly what the devil has done. He's kept us from understanding who or what the keys are. So we play church, we come together, sing together, and do our things, and never employ the keys we've been given because we don't even understand the keys we have. Are you following me? Peter, disciples, I'm going to give you keys, but I don't give you keys to keep in your pocket. I want them to be used. I want you to employ them and exercise them. And and when we understand keys, that's what we need to recognize. Jesus, listen, he says, I'm going to give you the keys of the, keys of the, do you see the juxtaposition? Keys of the. Keys and kingdom go together. Oh, give revelation. Oh, this is so good. I just, (sighs) keys and kingdom go together. You get keys because there's a kingdom that needs the keys. Watch this. Oh, I love you, Holy Spirit. You need the keys because it is the keys that cause the kingdom to activate. Do you see it? I've always wanted an F-150 pickup. Yeah. Who did that? Yeah. 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 Always wanted one. New. Always wanted one. Couldn't afford it. It's okay. I had a little S-10. I had those little things. But I always wanted it. And over the years, I told Jen, I'm going to save and save and save, put money away. Not going to hurt the family, but just put money away, put money away, because I want an F1. And one day, say one day, day. I'm 70 years old, and I finally, I finally could afford an uh, F-150 pickup. Lariat. 
I feel that anointing. I got it. Brand new. Brand new. I got the key. I'm looking at it. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Jan says, oh, are you going to take it for a ride? Oh, no. I don't want to put it out on the road. No, 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 no. No, I'm parking it in the garage and just looking at it. Babe, we need to go to the store. I'm going to take your Explorer. It's old. Are you following me? It wasn't built for the garage. It wasn't built for the church building. Somebody go, duh. I did. I park it in the church building. I come in. I play around. Have a good time. Love one another. Learn some stuff from the leadership. And I enjoy hanging with you guys and all of that stuff. And then I go get my F-150 and I get down the road and I get some things done. I go load it with lumber. I go, I go pick up stuff that I can do that I couldn't. Are you following me? Don't make this just a silly illustration. You know why I can do that? Because I have it. But just because I have it doesn't mean I, I, I got it. You got to use the key. I've given you the keys of the kingdom. But the kingdom doesn't happen unless you employ the key. It just sits there. And too many churches just sit there. Beautiful and wonderful, but nobody has discovered what the keys, because when the keys are employed, the kingdom happens. Things happen when I use the key. I can even start, this blew me away, I can start my truck when I'm not even in it yet. (laughs) Click, Mark taught me that. Mark said, you know you can start that in, in your house. Huh, what do you mean? Yeah, just push this button and push that button. It's already started. Arizona, we in Tucson, we we it gets hot. 185. I mean, we're just three and a half miles from hell, so it gets hot. This is real hot there. He said, Zane, you know you can turn it on and have it running for maybe five minutes before you get in. It's already cooled down. You're lying, Mark. No, no, no. Because he has one of those trucks too. He had one long before me. <laughs> he just heard the Lord, he would have given me that truck. I don't think I want you traveling with me anymore. You could still come, but I don't know. I'm being stupid now, but do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus is teaching us a concept that there are certain keys of the kingdom, and when they're employed, kingdom happens. You need to do a study on the keys of the kingdom. You need to do a series on the keys of the kingdom. That's your assignment. I'm not coming back till you do the series. And when they are employed, when they are exercised, kingdom happens, kingdom manifests. The kingdom, watch this, shows up and shows off. And the kingdom isn't just for this building. More kingdom happens out there than in here. I submit to you the gifts of the Spirit were not meant for the club. They were meant for the marketplace. And why is this a leadership that discerned the keys? So what are the keys? Well, I could, I could probably give you a lot of different keys. I'll just mention some of them. The key of worship. Worship is a significant key. 
Because when you worship, I mean, abandon worship, just loving on Jesus, leading it. Because why? He inhabits the, he shows up. The king shows up when people begin to worship. It's a kingdom key, kingdom manifest. When worship happens, Catherine Kuhlman used to, used to teach. How many remember Catherine Kuhlman? Yeah, a handful of you. Just, just an incredible woman of God that had such a vast healing ministry. And you know what she always taught? She says, get everybody worshiping. Get everybody worshiping. Get everybody. No, they're wanting, they're wanting you. I got nothing to give. Get everybody worshiping. Why? Because when they worship and they get lost in him, kingdom shows up and it's easy to get people healed. All I got to do is call them out and they get healed. Why? Because I'm not healing anyway, but kingdom is here because they've taken the key of worship and it opened up the kingdom. Key of fasting. I don't have time to teach on these. I'm giving you some of the keys, Pastor. The key of honor. Honor's a key in the kingdom. It opens up. It releases. It activates. The key of unity. Oh, my, my Lord. That's one of the most significant keys there are. <laughs> one shall put a thousand to flight. Two, when there's unity, you can almost do anything. That's why that's one thing he attacks most is the unity in your marriage, in your family, in your business, and in the church. Keep you discouraged. Keep you distracted. Keep you divided. Why? Because the oil flows, Psalm 133, when there is unity in the house. It's a kingdom key. Giving. Yeah, that's right. I'm not after your money. I already got my check. Have no idea what it was because what he doesn't know, what they don't know, I'd come for free. I'm serious. I'm not being... Presumptuous. I'd pay my own airfare and I'd come here for free because I feel a mandate in this house and I want to be a part of a place. So I'm not just trying to make that to impress you. you. You don't got it. You don't need to give it. But it is a kingdom key. Generosity is a kingdom key. Study the Bible. It's a kingdom key that when you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together. It's a kingdom key. And by the way, you're going to need to use that key, Pastor. Because you're, you're going to build again and again and again and again and again. Because God's got plans for this house. And what you need is in the house. It's already in the house. It's just people need to discover. I guess I'm going to employ my key of giving and trust God. Because when I give, it not only enables to the kingdom to do what it wants in this house, but it opens the door for what God wants. Come on, somebody say amen. The key, the key of obedience, and I could go on and on, but I want to talk about, just as I try to close this thing, I want to talk about what I consider one of the most important, and I think paramount, powerful keys, and think, I really believe everything else pivots around this one particular key. It's kind of like, Kind of like you got your key and you have one big key. You know what I'm talking about? And I want to talk about, sorry, Lord, I'm making this so, so overly simple, but I want to talk about the big key. Say the big key. Because you can have all the other keys, but if you don't understand the big key and you don't recognize that that's the first key, say first key, you got to employ the first key before any of the other keys will work. Oh, this is so good. What is that key? Key of prayer. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know about prayer. No, you probably really don't know that much about prayer. I don't mean that to be sarcastic. I didn't know that much about prayer. 
till I begin to get revelation and I begin to understand that everything of the kingdom revolves around the kingdom key of prayer. That everything happens beyond that. First begins with and is released through, through prayer. And what you need to understand prayer, prayer is not first asking. Prayer is not first decreeing and interceding and calling down fire from heaven. Prayer is first. Say first. Prayer is first about relationship. And before you can really have power in prayer in those other areas, you've got to come to the revelation that first what he wants is he wants time with you. He doesn't say, don't ask me. But what I really want, and you know how I know this principle? Because the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. And every redemptive concept in all through the Bible is first found in, 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 in Genesis. It's, it's, it's called the law of first beginnings. Every redemptive, you can find the cross in Genesis. You can find the resurrection. Come on. You understand what I'm saying? So Genesis isn't just a historical book. It's a book of pictures of what God wants to do the rest. And, and in Genesis, before we see anything else happen, we we see the beginning point of the key of prayer. And it's this, that in the cool of the evening, they heard the sound of God walking in the garden. And the problem with that verse is the translation. Because the word sound is better translated, they heard his voice. And the implication is they didn't just hear his voice, they were with him as they talked together. Oh, this is so powerful. I could spend a week just on this. That what he's after, what he's after is you and time with you. I just want to hang out. I know you got needs and I'm going to meet those needs. And I got needs and I need you to pray that those needs get met. But before we talk about needs, can we just be together? Can we just hang out? Come on, come on, come on, come here. Can we just walk around and just talk? How you been, man? Good? Good? Ask me how I've been. I've been really good, man. No, I love hanging with you, man. What's your name? I knew that because I'm God, Porter. I know that. I just, I just wanted to make sure you know it. Now, you think it's silly, but that's what he wants. In the cool of the day, the implication is, you ready? They had a, thank you, Porter. They had a daily encounter with him. So when he gets up, oh, the vision of this church is to take you from corporate encounters to daily encounters. That's just a cliche. No, it's Bible. It's the key to everything that's going to happen in your life. But for all that other stuff that happened, you've got to start with relationship. And you want to know something? That was my challenge. That was my struggle. What do you mean, Pastor? I, it just, I just didn't have that concept that, that he really wanted to be with me. I mean, I love God. I believed in God, but he was just kind of out there. Come on, do I have a friend? He was kind of a distant deity. I mean, he, he kind of like, you know, and why would he want to spend time with me anyway? Who am I? I got messes. I got problems. I got difficulties. Why would he even want to spend time with me? Because I was created to have relationship with him. He had all the angels, and that was not enough because they didn't have a free will. I'm going to create a being that has a free will and can choose to love me or not love me because you don't have love without choice. 
You don't have love without opportunity to choose. And so, and so he says, I'm going to create mankind because I want fellowship. I want relationship. And when that, when that revelation came on my heart and I realized he wants to be with me, he wants to hang with me, he wants to talk with me, something changed in everything about my prayer life. And I didn't spend as much time saying I need this, this, and this, and this. I said, you know what I need. Can we just, can we just hang out? Can I just? I'm not a real good singer, but I, I got this song I'd like to sing to you. I'd make up my songs and sing to them. And I'd love him. And I'd tell him how much I appreciate him. And all of a sudden, I'd hear him. I'd hear him, kind of like the old song. We don't sing the old songs. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And he walks with me and he talks with me like like this morning still dark outside I'm out there walking in that hotel parking lot and going over there and, and we're just walking we're just talking and I'm just telling them things I'm just telling them things I'm hearing them say things to me and that fellowship is what prayer is all about so say first things first if there's a revival that needs to happen in this church, it's a revival that you just make him the priority of your life. Before you have revival, make that revival happen first. That is so good. Before we get all the glory and the power and the breakthrough, and before we start all the fires, let him start a fire in us. Can I keep going a few more moments? Tell the person next to you, but there's more. Hallelujah. It's not just about fellowship and relationship. By the way, let me tell you something. You were built to worship. You're going to worship something. It's in your DNA. You are. God made you. I love it when I talk to an atheist. I don't believe in God. That's okay. Your spirit does. No, seriously. I don't believe in God. No, that's your head talking. Inside, there's a spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. God made you spirit. And inside your spirit is saying, don't listen to him. We believe in God. We want God. We want to connect with God. He's just keeping us from God. Because Paul said, the prince of this age has blinded their eyes to who God really is. Because I'm convinced if you ever see who he really is, you will fall in love with him. You will fall down and worship him. Because you were created to worship. It's in your DNA. You will worship something. Say this word, next key word, partnership. Prayer is all about partnership. It's about God's desire. Now, this is fundamental. You got prayer down, it's first relationship, but you got to go beyond just hanging out with him because there's something he wants you to do, and prayer is a part of that. It's about partnership. It's about God. It's about God's desire for us to partner with him. Say partner. To partner in him what he wants to do in earth, in this earth. When I came to that understanding, it revolutionized my prayer life. It was the next level. Relationship with him revolutionized. But then God took me to the next level. Now I want to move you from just relationing with me. I want to move you to partnering with me. I want to move you to understand that I need you. Watch this. I need you, son, to do certain things on this planet. 
And when I begin to recognize the significance of my part in God's kingdom purposes happening on earth, it, it was, again was revolutionary. And I submit to you that it all begins in prayer. Say it begins. What God wants to do on this planet in partnering with you and I begins in prayer. Yes, we have a part to play. I like to say it this way. We can't do it without God. Somebody say amen. But what we don't understand, many, is he won't do it without us. And we've believed a lie. And here's the lie we believe. But God is sovereign. Is God sovereign? What does that mean? He gets to do anything he wants, anytime he wants, any way he wants. He doesn't have to ask my permission. He doesn't have to say, you okay with that? He doesn't. He's sovereign. Say sovereignty. But the problem with the teaching on sovereignty is they don't understand that God, I believe God has sovereignly chosen to do nothing on this planet outside the partnership of the church. Could he do it without us? No, could he do it without us? There's a whole lot of times I thought he should have done it without me. He would have got it done quicker, it would have been easier, and he wouldn't have had as many problems with it. But he is so in love with me, and in honor to his son's sacrifice, I believe sovereignly he's chosen. Son, because of the price you prayed, I'll do nothing on this planet outside those you redeemed. So guess what? We're not waiting on him, he's waiting on us. And it all begins in prayer. It starts there. Say it starts there. You got to get this. Paul said it this way, we are co-laborers with him. One translation says, as God's partner, we are working together. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1. Yes, God is sovereign, but he's sovereignly chosen. Now I need to hasten to say, I'm going to pause for a moment. Prayer is not the only thing we're to do. It's just the first thing. It's where we get started. It's where we begin. And it's one of the keys, and I'm, I believe, I never had that picture before this morning, I believe it's the big key in the key ring. <laughs> never got that picture until now. I believe prayer is the big key in the key. There are other keys, but it starts in prayer. We need to begin in prayer. And I believe he's looking for people, and he's looking for churches, and I think he's looking at your church, pastor. I think he's looking at this house, and he's, and he's hoping. I, I really mean he's hoping, because not everybody will embrace what God wants, but I believe he's hoping that this might be a church that will partner with him and understand how the kingdom key of prayer can move the kingdom of God. I just need to know, would you be willing to be that church? advance his kingdom, to advance his purpose. Listen to these two words. I'm almost done. I really am. Maybe. Listen to these two words. Conviction, expectation. Don't say them. I just want you to hear them. Conviction, expectation. These two words are more than words. They're mindsets. They're concepts. They're kingdom keys. These two words are so very significant as it bears on prayer. Say conviction. Okay, stay with me now. Conviction, definition. It is a deep-seated, am I helping anybody? It is a deep-seated confidence or certainty that he hears me. Conviction is a deep-seated confidence and certainty that he hears me. 
that prayer is not some religious ritual, that I'm not just reciting somebody else's words, but when I pray, I am making contact and connecting, and he is listening to my prayer. That's fundamental if you're going to pray effectively. If I don't think he hears me, I'm not going to pray with passion. If I think I'm just speaking words, if I'm just repeating your words out of a prayer book somewhere, and I'm not saying that's bad, but if I'm just repeating somebody else's words, that I, he's not hearing me. And if I don't think he hears me, I'm not going to, come on, say amen. If you're married and, 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 and that spouse never listens to you, guess what? You're going to stop talking sooner or later. We don't have a relationship. But if I have the conviction, if I have the certainty in my heart that he is listening when I pray. Listen to this passage, 1 John 5, verse 14. John 5, 14. And this is the conviction we have, the confidence, the assurance, that when we pray, he hears us. That's powerful. I'm not wasting my time. I'm not going through religious forms. I'm not just doing what I think I'm supposed to do to make God happy. No, he is leaning in every time. Oh, that's a game changer. So I don't, I don't pray without understanding. You're, you're listening to me. You're, you're listening. Jeremiah 29, 12. Jeremiah 29, 12. When you call upon me and pray to me, I will listen to your prayers. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. You are not wasting your time. You're not just talking. He's listening. He's listening. By, by the way, as it bears on partnership, Partnering to advance kingdom. You're with me? Because it bears on the partnering to advance the kingdom. We must have the conviction that our prayers can make a difference. Pastor, we have to have the conviction. If we're going to advance the kingdom in this community, in this region, I have to have the conviction that when I pray, he's listening and he will answer. I have to pray like Elijah. Lord, don't let it rain. Don't let it rain. And the Bible says in James, he prayed that it wouldn't rain for three, three years and six months and it didn't rain. Then he said, okay, let it rain now. I, be, I believe all of that was by the Holy Spirit's direction. The Lord gave him a directive and he responded to it in obedience with prayer. He said, okay, let it rain and it rained. Do you know what Elijah did that God used Elijah? Elijah changed the atmosphere of a culture. You can change the atmosphere of this city and of this region. Young people, you can change the atmosphere of your school if you'll understand and pray with a conviction that God is going to hear you. Somebody say amen. Amen. Our prayers can make it. I, I don't have time to go through more illustrations. Say the second word, expectation. Expectation. Now, now the deep-seated conviction that he hears me gives birth to an expectation that he will answer. So God's not just listening, but he will answer to what I'm saying. Game changer. So if I pray with the conviction, God, I know you're going to hear me, and I have the expectation that you will answer, changes the way I pray. Are you seeing it? I need more than three. Are you seeing it? Life-changing. It'll change your church. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the conviction of things we are hoping for. One translation. Faith is the, now faith is the conviction of things we're praying for and the expectations of things not yet seen. 
I pray with a conviction he's hearing me and I have an expectation he will answer me. This is power. This is incredible. John, John chapter 5, verse 15. Since we know he hears us when we pray, then we expect we, to receive what we ask for. Say expectation. expectation. Say conviction. conviction. Starts with conviction. I know he's listening. And then it comes an expectation. I know he's going to answer. And I act like he's going to answer. Baby, it's going to happen. I don't see it. I don't care. I know he heard us. He's going to answer. Don't know when, don't know how, but I have the expectation. Say expect. That's what, the, that's what she says when she finds out she's, she's pregnant. Babe, honey, sit down. We're expecting. Why? Who's coming over for dinner? And guess what? She begins to get things ready. And the further along you go, next thing you know, she's changing the room. And you're having to paint the walls, and you're having to get this and that, and you're thinking, what was I thinking? You follow me? Expectation gives way to expression. Wow. For months, the village had been without rain. True story. Crops were failing, and the people were starving. Just remembered. No, I, I got it. Finally, the village, crops were failing and, and the people were starving. Finally, the village leaders called for a day of prayer. Everyone in the village gathered in the center of the town to pray for a miracle, to pray that the rains would come. On the appointed day, everyone had gathered from the oldest to the youngest. I love that, to the youngest. Uh, young people, you can pray powerful prayers. Somebody say amen. The village elders stood in front of the people, looking out at the fear and desperation on all their faces. He could read the questions in their eyes. What will happen if no rain comes? How long will we survive? Then his eyes looked into the eyes of faith. I love that. They were set in the gaunt face of a little girl so frail and so thin that she looked as if a breath could blow her away. Among, among the fear-filled faces, she stood resolute and confident and a smile on her face and an umbrella in her hand. How many see it? She came to pray. But she didn't come to pray without expectation. I don't pray without expectation. She came to pray. She came to pray. Everybody else is kind of praying. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Little girl. Bring the rain. I'm ready. I'm ready. In fact, she prayed this kind of prayer. The rain's coming. The rain's coming. I know it's barren. I know it looks impossible, but I'm praying with a conviction that he's hearing and an expectation. Somebody shout, the rain is coming. The rain is coming. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing, but maybe you need to get an umbrella and every now and then take it to your prayer closet. Maybe you need to get an umbrella and every now and take it somewhere with you. And when you pray, say, God, I'm praying with expectation. The rain is coming. The rain is coming. The rain is coming. I said, the rain is coming. I'm going to be ready for it. I'm prepared prepared for it. I'm expected. I'm looking for it. I'm ready for it. So about the fifth day in the hospital, 
When we got the news that this could be devastating to her body, she could have to live with this. She could have surgery where she could lose part of her colon. On and on the word went. And we were dealing with it. I had great people praying and I was praying. And one day God woke me up and he said, take it with you. Take it with you. And I knew exactly what he meant. And I walked in and I'm sure, I'm sure those, those hospital people, when they saw me walk in with this, I wasn't open. I just walked in like, they're thinking, it never rains in Tucson. What's your problem, dude? I walked in, Jan's laying in that bed. Weak as she can be. I told you all she went through it was be embarrassing, humiliating some of the things she had to deal with. Me and the nights I'd spend the night with her. I walked in, she's laying there with her eyes closed, and I, I knew she wasn't sleeping. I knew she was just dealing with the pain. And I said, Sweetheart, sweetheart. She said, What? I brought an umbrella. Healing's coming, healing's coming, healing's coming, healing's coming, healing's coming, healing's coming. I want it to happen today, but I don't care. It's going to happen because I got my umbrella. I got my sign. I got an extra. Come on, somebody say amen. Somebody. She began to weep. I began to weep. I began to walk through that hospital room. I wanted, to, I wanted to run through the whole hospital, but I knew I'd get kicked out. Yes, the rain is coming. Somebody say amen. Okay, I got to wrap this up. I got to tell you one last point of prayer that's to me one of the most powerful. I got to share with you my personal prayer partner. You do have a personal prayer partner. I'm not talking about your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your husband, and wife. They can partner with you, but you have one that some of you don't even realize you have. It's called the Holy Spirit. He's your personal prayer partner. He is. He, he's with sin. To partner with you in prayer. By the way, the Bible says with any two or three agree, it shall be done. All you need is you and the Holy Spirit. All you need is you and the Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm, I'm glad I had a couple over here who agreed with me, and I, I'm glad I had children who were agreeing. I, I had grandchildren that were agreeing. I'm glad for those agreements, but I really wanted his. And I've come to discover that one of my greatest Resources in prayer is spiritual language. Praying in tongues. Praying in the spirit. Because Romans 8 says, when we don't know how to pray as we should. Anybody heard that verse? I know you've never had that problem not knowing how to pray as you should. But us people in Arizona, we have all kinds of problems. And there are times I just don't know how to pray. I just, I don't know how to pray. God, I just don't know what to do here. Come on, anybody been there? And the Holy Spirit says, that's cool. He said, let me pray through you. Because it says, when you don't know how to pray as you are, Romans 8, 20, whatever. The Spirit himself will intercede through you. And one translation says, and for you. With groanings, literally, with words that can't be understood. It's called praying in tongues. I don't know what your theology is, but that's okay. You may say it's not for today. I, I don't mean to be harsh. It's for today. And by the way, can I just say this? If you love Jesus and you've given your heart to Jesus, you already have spiritual language. You don't have to get it because you have the Holy Ghost. I used to think, I got to get tongues. You don't get, you don't get part of the Spirit. You get all of Him. 
No, no, you get everything but his tongue. And then when you ask for his tongue, no, no, you get them all. You just have to begin to release and activate the language that's in you. You already got it. Say, I got it. You just have to turn the key. You just have to turn the key. I've been there. Lord, I don't know how to pray. God, I don't know what to do. Anybody have children? Anybody have children that you just don't know what to do? Don't raise your hand. They might be in here. All three of my children at times were exasperating. They all love Jesus, and I love them. But there were, there were moments. And my oldest son, there was, there, was a, there was a season in his life that he just get into stupid stuff, but just begin to wander away and get involved with some people that we didn't feel comfortable. And, and I was trying to address it and trying to deal with it and all that stuff. And I was getting more and more concerned. I'd get more and more burdened. And I kept asking God, take care of it, take care of it, take care of it. And, and one day I was at my prayer spot, my, my place that I drive away. This is in California where we pastored. I was up on this hillside where I go to be with Jesus. And, and, and I parked my car. And I usually get around and walk around and pray. But I didn't this time because I was just really, I hope you're okay with this. I was just really upset with Jesus. I was just really kind of irritated because because he wasn't he wasn't doing what I wanted. I just I, I literally said I, I don't know how to pray anymore. I don't know what to pray for this boy. I know what I want to pray. Kill him. Come on. I don't mean it. I just felt it for a moment. Don't get all spiritual on me, parent. You've had a moment. I just like to drop kick you. And I'm not talking about a field goal. Bam! I'm talking about just... And I remember I was in the car. In my car. And I usually walk around, but I just didn't, want, I didn't even want to pray. And I knew he was in there. I, I knew the Lord was next to me. And I, I didn't see him physically. You know what I'm talking about. You know. And I knew he was over there. I wouldn't look. In fact, I just kind of looked out this window. And I heard, his, I heard, I heard him speak to me. Son, you okay? <laughs> like you're all knowing. <laughs> kind of messing up my theology. You're asking me if I'm okay. And I heard him say, look at me. I said, I don't want to look at you. I'm not happy with you right now. And if that's too real for you and you can't be real with Jesus, then you're phony. Because I can be real with him because he knows my heart. Kind of like Ruth. When Ruth came back from the land, Moab, and she lost her husband and two boys. And they came back and said, oh, Ruth is back. She said, don't call me Ruthie. Call me Mara. Ruthie means pleasant one. Mara means embittered one. Don't call me Ruth. Call me Mara. I went away full. I came back empty. And you did this to me, God. And he just stamped her right there. I hate you. You're, never, you're going to hell right now. No, because God knew her heart. And God knows your heart. And you can be real with him. And I was. I, you know. And he says, come on, son. Let's talk. He said, what's going on? He says, if you will, I'll, I'll help you. Take your key and turn your key. Because then I realized the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to pray. Because when you pray in tongues, you are always praying on target. 
Because you always, sometimes when you pray in English, you can, you can miss it, you know, like, ah. But when you pray in tongues, you are never missing the target because he prays according. And so I just begin to pray in tongues over my son. His name is Darren. Lord, said, no, no, not that prayer. I just begin to pray in the spirit. And such a peace came. You know why I know praying in tongues is powerful? Because it'll keep you alive. Because in 1981, on an October afternoon in Phoenix, Arizona, we were youth pastors at a church there, and I was on my way. I went to lunch, went to the house to have lunch, and I had a dentist appointment. Had a dentist appointment and had lunch, and that afternoon or that evening, we were going to play racquetball with a couple good friends of ours. And I told Jan, I said, babe, I'm on my way. I'm going to go to the dentist. It was few miles away, and I'm going to, I'll be back after the dental appointment. And I, I, I owned a 1976 Ford Pinto. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those were youth pastor days. Green hatchback Pinto. Some of you know Pinto. It's okay. It's what I could afford. I was good. It's paid for. Glory to God in the highest. And so I'm on my way, and I'm coming down a road called 7th Street in Phoenix, Arizona. I just passed Dunlap and was just passing a street called Alice. The, the speed limit's probably about 45. I am certain I was going 45-ish. And I'm going south. And a man in a 1965 Valiant station wagon was coming north, going about 45. And for some reason, he decided to get in my lane and hit me head on, both of us going about 45. A 1965 Valiant station wagon is made out of U.S. steel. A 1976 Pinto hatchback is made of Japanese plastic. He won, I lost. The impact was so much, so strong. Later on, I found this out. They, it lifted the car and turned my car literally 180 degrees. And now I was facing south, uh, north instead of south. The front end of that hatchback had, was so, so crushed in that it almost came to where I was seated. The top of the, of the car literally caved in where it was like a razor sharp. They later told me, we don't know how you didn't split your head wide open. My head went through the front. I was not wearing a, a, a seat belt. My head went through the front windshield and busted it, busted it out. I came back with such force, hit the, hit the, passion, the, the driver's post on the door, split my, my head wide open here, just cracked my skull open. I, 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 I had just lacerated my entire neck. Nobody would come help me because everybody thought what was going to happen. It was going to explode because pintos were exploding when they were in accidents. So nobody there in a very busy street called 7th Street would come to help me. I don't know how, but somehow they said I got out of the car. I had the window up. It was all cast 
crashed down. Getting out, I lacerated this whole side and somehow just fell on the ground down, unconscious. I don't remember any of this. I, I do need you to know I survived. That's, I just want you to know that. Because there's a couple people over there going, I wonder if he made it. I wonder if he made it. But I don't remember a thing. I don't remember a thing. Later on, I found out they used, uh, they used those uh, paddles. What are they called? The, huh? Yeah, the defibrillator. They used those on me because they couldn't get a pulse. My brother-in-law, Jerry Van Zant, Jan's brother, was um, was a head of a of, of the paramedic department of the of the Phoenix Fire Department. He eventually became a chief of the hazmat department of uh, the hazmat guys. But at that time, he was over the paramedics. So he always he had a what do they call when you can hear everybody talking scanner. He had a scanner in his car and he heard about the accident and heard over the scanner that it was terrible. Uh, we don't think this guy's going to make it. Um, it's interesting because I was one mile from a hospital and they took me seven miles to a neurological institute because they knew that hospital could not take care of the massive injury I had because of the crack skull bleeding all over the place. And so Jerry's listening to this on the phone. I'm telling you why you need to pray in the spirit. I'm telling you why you need Holy Spirit language. It's not to play around. It's to keep you alive. It's to do kingdom work. It's to advance kingdom and sometimes keep you alive. I mean it. Jerry got on, on his radio and he knew the guys that were there. He says, hey guys, fill me in. What's going on? Oh, Jerry, it's bad. We don't think this guy's going to make it. We've, we're getting ready to throw him in an ambulance. We're going to take him to, we're going to, take him to Barrow's, Barrow's Neurological Institute uh, because, in fact, he probably won't make it while he gets there, but we're not going to take him to the other place because they don't have the capability of the trauma unit. He goes, wow, do you know who it is? He goes, well, we got his wallet out. Yeah, his name is Zane Anderson. Jerry's my brother-in-law married to his sister. Jerry is a backslidden assembly of God young man. He walked with Jesus but walked away from Jesus. He knew all about the Holy Spirit and all about Pentecost and all that. But he got off doing his thing, and he was, he was backslidden. He said, St. Anderson, are you sure? Yeah, it was St. Anderson. Well, that's my brother-in-law. Are you sure? Yeah, that's my brother-in-law. He says, he says, what's going on? Are you sure? He said, Jerry, yeah, it, it's bad. We don't know if he's going to make it. But Jerry, we need to ask, ask you a, a question. He's your brother-in-law? What nationality is he? Jerry says, what do you mean, what nationality? Yeah, 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 because Jerry, he's unconscious. We know he's unconscious. He barely has a pulse. We had to do the defibrillators and everything, Jerry. But the whole time he's speaking this strange language. In fact, Jerry, he's singing. He's singing this strange, strange language. So we just assumed he's unconscious and it's, so is he German? Is he, is he, he did all that? And he goes, no. He said, Jerry, the whole time he's just praying in tongues. They didn't call it praying in tongues, but guess what? My brother-in-law, backslidden, silly of God boy, he knew exactly what was going on. And the whole time I was unconscious. Because your spirit never goes unconscious. And the whole time I was unconscious, I was praying in tongues. I didn't know it. 
They, I would have never known if they wouldn't have told, if Jerry would, which was a divine setup. Because I need this testimony for you to hear. Because some of you need to begin to employ spiritual language more than you ever have. Because the kingdom needs to advance through spiritual language because you always pray on target when you pray in tongues. And you can get in your mind a need or a circumstance or a situation in city council or a situation in our government. And you begin to say, God, I don't know what to do there. I just said, they're crazy. Don't say they're crazy. Just, And you can go in different levels of spiritual language, from worship language to warfare language. If you learn how to practice your tongue. And it's already in you. And the whole time I'm laying on a crown on 7th Street on an October afternoon, I can tell you the date. It's in my Bible. And I'm laying there on the ground. And I, what I didn't know is the Holy Spirit was praying through me and for me, Paul. And you know what he was saying? Don't let him die, God. Don't let him die. We need him in Africa. We need him in Indonesia. We need him all around. He's got a church in California. He's supposed to pastor. And then I know he's supposed to be in Tucson. But Father, keep him. The Holy Spirit was interceding for me with a groaning I couldn't understand. And what we've done in our Pentecostal churches, we've made it a thing we play with instead of a key we employ. We made it a thing we play with instead of a key we employ. And we only do it when we feel a surge. I can do it anytime I want. Paul said, I will, I will pray with my understanding and I will pray with my spirit. It's an act of my will. Father, I ask you to move this morning in the service. I said that out outside this morning. I ask you to move. And then one moment I said, no, Father. Holy Spirit, you know exactly what you want to do. So I want you to ask the Father, that's exactly I didn't have to feel a sudden surge I didn't have to feel a movement I will pray and I will pray it's an act of your will And if we could get these, these young people learning how to exercise their spiritual language, watch out, little Susie. We'll mess up this culture. We'll mess up this region. God wants you to understand that spiritual language isn't a thing we play with. It is a kingdom key. And I don't apologize. Well, you better not speak in tongues. Might have some visitors there. Well, that's fine. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just praying. I'm praying a language my father taught me. Isn't it funny? We can pray a foreign language and nobody gets upset, but I can't pray a foreign language. It's a heavenly language. And what's going on there? Right? If I brought somebody in Hispanic up here, say, pray a prayer in Spanish, nobody would be bothered. But if I want to come up here and pray a prayer in a heavenly language, everybody's freaking out. That's out of order. It's not out of order. I'm not giving a message in tongues. I'm praying. I'm interceding. And it may sound arrogant, but you ought to be real happy I interceded in tongues this morning for you because some of you needed to hear this message. And I'm not meaning that arrogant. If you think I'm arrogant, you don't know me. You don't know my heart. You didn't feel my passion. Praying... In that parking lot, oh God, I need you to move this morning. I don't know exactly what you want to do. So Holy Spirit, just 
faith through me to the Father. Because nothing happens in the kingdom if it's not invited. Why in the world did Jesus say, pray this way. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. If he's sovereign, he'll just come and do what he wants. Because nothing of the kingdom happens until it is invited. Nothing of God's will happens until it is invited. Until it's requested. That's just the way the kingdom works. I don't know if I would have done it that way. But I got a word for you. I'm glad he chose because I get to be a part of this gig. I get to do this thing. That He's not doing it without me and I won't do it without him. Whoever's going to be on keys and the worship team, thank you for being so patient. I know I went way too long. I, I just want to apologize. I know you have children. I apologize to the children. But I had to get out of me. I had to get out of me because I'm so passionate about this house and where you're going. Don't apologize. Don't stop being extra. I don't mean get crazy. You better keep it in order. But that's an order doesn't mean... Order means we just do what he says. And you steward it. And you guard it. And you lead it. Oh, can we just for a moment just pray in the spirit? Come on, just all of us. Just stay seated for a moment. Moria sandala boke, moria sandala boke, kadala bosi teliatai. Show me, Lord. Show me, Lord. Show me, Lord. Si kadala boke talabo. Show me, Lord. Show me, Lord. Si kadala boke talabo ke satai. Show me, Holy Spirit. Show me, Holy. I need. I need to hear it. I need to hear. Ooh, mananama se talamo shikasite. Mondrabo ko talabo kasite. Mandrabo ko si teliando. Mandrabo ko riatalabo kesite. Mondraba se teliando raboko. Mandrasi teliata. Mandrabo si teliatrobo koriandalabo kesete. Mandalabo sete. Oh, oh, I release even a greater flow. Even a greater flow. Even a greater flow, God. Sandraba si. I just want to follow his leading pastor and after I do what I'm about to do if you need to slip out don't ever feel embarrassed don't ever feel like you're you're walking out on the Holy Spirit if you if you got to go go but if you can linger because I just feel like I'm supposed to do this and I know I have the liberty but I just need to ask those in this room that would be bold enough to say pastor I want I, I, I want my spiritual language I want, I want you to stand. I want you to stand. Don't, don't be embarrassed, please. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. I don't know where it is. I think that's mine, isn't it? What's that one? Sure this is mine? Can, can you just... I'll let you go. Nobody leave yet because this is important. I want you to do something for me. If you don't feel comfortable, I don't want you to. I'm not, I'm not going to make you. But I want you to step out and I just want you to line across this front. Come on. If you don't feel that, don't go there. But I want you to just come and stand right about here. 
I need room in front. I need some room in back. Just right across. Just right across. Just right across. Come on, boss. Just right across. Just right across. Just right across. Just right across. Yeah, just keep, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah, move. Come on, all the way across. Come across, come across. You have a prayer team, right? Okay, don't come yet, but prayer team, get ready, because we're going to need you. Some of you that are coming, if you're coming, just keep right through here. Just keep right through here. Today's your day. What's your name? Holly? Today, Holly. Holly, Holly, Holly. Just a tad bit quieter for a moment. Just a tad bit. Stay there, but just, okay. Now look at me. Every, everybody that's here. Oh, this is awesome, Pastor. This is ridiculous. Okay, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm a little crazy, I know, so be, be careful. What's your name? Victor? Brian? Tweety? Okay, listen to me. Look at me. You don't need to get spiritual language so you don't need to ask for it let me just ask every everybody up here giving their heart to jesus if you haven't that's cool we need to do that first because if you haven't given your heart to jesus then you don't have the spirit because you can't get redeemed without the spirit of god it is the spirit of god that regenerates it's the spirit of god that comes in and makes you born again and that's real easy just jesus i need you in my life boom it happens Okay, so if you've not done that, you just need to do that while we're, while we're talking. Just, Lord, I just need to receive. And it doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to pay money. You don't have to cut off your arm. You just have to surrender. But I, I want to say, every one of you love Jesus. So I just, I just, I just want to say, you don't, need, you don't need to ask for it. You don't need to ask for it. You got it. You already have it. It is all over you. It's all over you. But what do you mean I don't have to ask for it? Because you already have the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Watch this. I used to have a hard time praying for people to get, get filled with the Spirit because it's just, oh man, it take them forever. Let go. Hold on. Let go. Hold on. How many ever let go? Hold on days. Oh my God. It just got so wearisome. You don't have to ask for what you already got. You already got the Holy Spirit. It's not asking. Watch. It's activating. You got it. But what you've got to understand is you can't think you have to understand. <laughs> what? See, what you've got to understand is you don't have to understand. You don't have to understand what you're saying. Don't let your head get in the way because it's not your language. It's his. And it's an unknown language. What it means when it says unknown tongues, it's, it literally means a tongue of another language. It's heavenly. It's in you. So Victor, you don't have to give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Stop give me. You got. Say, I got it. Say, I got it. Confess it. Say, I got it. God just helped me to activate it. And how do you activate it? You take a step of faith. Tweety, you, Tweety, right? You take a step of faith. And you don't pray what you know in the natural. You just pray what you hear that's not your tongue. Follow me? 
And sometimes, Pastor, is this cool? I'm going to take a little time. If you need to go, slip out, slip out quiet. Don't make a big deal because all you tongue talkers, you were here once. You were here once. Oh, you're all happy now. I got my tongue. I don't need to wait for them. Well, somebody waited for you because I need you to intercede in a moment. In fact, I need you to quietly be praying to the Spirit right now. I need you to be interceding because you're going to have a whole lot of people. They're going to get activated. They're not going to get something. They're going to release something. It's in you. But what you have to do is you have to take a step of faith and say what you hear that you know is not you. Here, 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 listen to me. But what if it's me? What if it's me? If it's you, God will kill you on the spot. No, right now, right now. If you die, we know you made it up. No, I've had people in my meetings just die right on the spot. Get this one out of here. I need another candidate. You know I'm being silly. Come on. He's Father God, not Godfather. But God, that was my struggle. God, what, what am I just making it up? It's, it's okay. I know your heart. But son, you're not going to make it up. And, and for some of you, you'll just get a phrase. You may just get a little phrase. When I first got, I almost said filled with the Spirit because I'm already filled. When I first got my activation, it was just a sandalo. Sandalo. It sounds kind of weird. It's not your language. My wife and I have had the privilege to go all over the world with all due respect to other cultures they found they sound weird when they talk been to Japan sounds weird been in Bangladesh sounds weird I'm not making fun because I sound weird but it's not my language it's heaven's language it's not supposed to sound like you and one of the reasons is because the devil can't translate it he can't understand it it frustrates him because he knows when you pray in tongues you are praying exactly according to the will of God there's worship tongue there's warfare tongues there's 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 tongues that just refresh and so here's what's got to happen I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna have the, 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 the ministry team come and stand behind you and I'm gonna pray I'm gonna pray I'm gonna ask you to lift your hands in a moment and I'm gonna pray and I'm going to say, God, I ask you to activate right now. And then I want you to take a step of faith. And I want you to begin to speak what you hear that's not you. you got what I'm saying? Just, just a son on a bowl. Oh, no, that doesn't sound like tongues. How do you know it's not tongues? You ever heard, you ever heard the heavenly language? Yeah. So are you following me? What's your name? Huh? Staria? Daria? It's all over you, Daria. You, 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 you're so in love with Jesus. Dar Daria, put your hands like this. Come, Sonia. Put your, step up here just a little bit. Put your hands like this. Daria, it's not hard. It's not difficult. But you don't speak in tongues unless you open your mouth. The Bible says they spake, and then God gave them the tongue. You already know it, and I'm going to pray right now. And when I say amen, I want you and me and Sonia to begin to pray in tongues, okay? So, Father, this daughter of yours is so ready, and it's so bubbling, and it's just ready for her to take the step of faith. So, in Jesus' name, release that tongue now. Go for it. That's it. Come on. That's it, Daria. Come on. Don't stop. Don't stop. Come on. All of you begin to pray. Go for it. Also, team, come. Come on, go. Go, Daria. Are you ready? 
Let's go for it. Come on. You got to speak. Father, I release your daughter right now. Mandala bokeh, satala bokeh,